Your story is waiting for you today. Your story has something new to say. But your story will only come out to play when you're alone. Alone. Alone in a room with invisible people. The following episode may contain swearing. Alone in a Room with Invisible People is brought to you by hollyswritingclasses.com. If you find value in what we do and you'd like to support the podcast, go to coffee.com. That's K-O hyphen fi.com forward slash alone or you can go to alone with invisible people.com forward slash support us to find out more thank you hi i'm rebecca villardo the host of alone in a room with invisible people i am here with author and teacher holly lyle and today's topic is how to build a story using your sweet spot map this is the fourth and final installment at least temporarily final for the sweet spot map and this was a request by many listeners and it don't forget you can go and download the free sweet spot map pages from alonewithinvisiblepeople.com just follow the link and you can download the worksheets and this is a free workshop that we are offering you guys if you haven't listened to the other episodes at least go back and listen to the one on how to build a sweet spot map it will help you figure it out we've had a couple of people that are long-term students of holly's that said they always kind of had a problem filling out the sweet spot map and maybe kind of half-assed it but then when they went through the build a sweet spot map uh episode they realized like oh this is kind of important and helpful maybe I should try it again (laughs) (laughs) yeah this this was a career changer for me Um, and I recommend it for everybody it is the first thing I taught in how to think sideways class and this is a more in-depth version than what we did in that class um, just because there have been so many questions about it and uh, we have we have really dug in on this on how you not just build it, but why you build it and how you use it. Yeah. So yeah. well, I think so, the first thing you taught in the How to Think Sideways course was was kind of just as important because it was basically you know the per- safe never starts, perfect never finishes kind of thing. But yeah, so let's get into how to actually build a story using this sweet spot map. We have covered concepts for uh, the other things that you do with a sweet spot map. So the concept where story is concerned in using your sweet spot map is your fiction is what you have to say about the world shown in interesting places through compelling conflicts. Your sweet spot map contains all the seeds for these stories. There are a multitude, multitude of ways that you can combine combine the various areas on your sweet spot map in order to get story conflicts, in order order to get world building, in order to get just all of the different things we've already discussed, but also in order to just build out your story. Um, So there is no way that we have enough time for us to go through all of them. So I am going to... Um, show you a couple I'm going to show you three basic conflict generators and then I'm going to just list all the other possible conflict generators that you can get from this and let you figure them out from the three basic things that we are doing now Um, the first of the conflict generators that is just built right into the map is I hate versus I love 
And we're going to do some demos of these in a second. But first, uh, let me just define the big, epic core thread of your story transformed by the world that holds it comes from I hate versus I love. And my I hates on my map, uh, in this case, I'm just going to cherry pick a few of them. Um, my, my I hates were the things that my characters had to overcome. Um, intentional ignorance, complacency, excuses, satisfaction with the mediocre or the failing, um, slickness, smarminess, smooth guys, mob rule, uh, judgment by a group, the blindness to individuals, collective thinking, collective acting, uh, the lie of the greater good, and the sacrifice of real people for the myth of the, air quotes, people. And that is the underlying conflict basis for the entire Moon and Sun series. Um, so with you, what do you pull out of I hate versus, oh, with I love, sorry, let me, let me jump onto that, with I love being history and knowing who we are and knowing how we came to be here and knowing what we did wrong so we can avoid it and knowing what we did right so we can fucking bra embrace it and save it. And so that was, that was my villains and my heroes. That was my, my world gone wrong and what has to be done to fix it. All in just those two spots on the map. Okay, so... Well, I, uh, my eyes kind of went to, to two that are really neat. So the I love compassion and I hate being taken advantage of. Those two would really go together because somebody would want to be compassionate towards a lot of people. But then, you know, the being taken advantage of. So mm -hmm. the, the thread of the story could be something as big as, you know, finding compassion for all. But then there is this this being a, taken advantage of layer that how do you have compassion for that so that there's there's for the person who's taking advantage of you there there is a very deep you know conflict in there that mm -hmm. can run through a i'm thinking like more along the lines of something like leaving Juan de lucia or a romance or even a kid's not kid's book but ya there could yeah. be a lot of that and this isn't something that would be main main storyline but this could be something that is even in any story fantasy it's just this extra layer of of things that would affect a way that a, a it's more or less just another way to make your characters act to fit the story where where you're trying to say something without being too blatant where you're, yes. you're not wanting to be preachy so that's yeah. something else that you can add showing the the different sides of that um but looking for something that is is bigger um for, for me there is this i love history and then i on the other side there's just so much that could go against it arrogance uncompromising things that so like for for charlie for that entire series she loves the history of her home which is fulton hills in fulton county mm -hmm. so she loves all of fulton county the the thing she's gonna have to fight is is kind of twofold because there is this character that comes in from a company that is going to end up being the long haul bad guy 
But then there are certain elements within Fulton Hills as well that are looking for, quote, progress, that to them progress means the eradication of, of basically Fulton Hills identity. Wow. They want to keep the identity without the things that made Fulton Hills Fulton Hills, which includes magic, which includes the cryptids. They want it to be this Instagram-worthy photo shot, you know, mm-hmm. this this very fake cultivated image. Cleaned up, yeah. plasticized. Yeah. Yeah. Of Fulton Hills. And part of that includes um, getting rid of the magic. Now, there are... This is more or less not these are these are more the neutral people supposedly mm-hmm. these are not the out there bad guys because obviously the out there villains are going to want magic right but they don't necessarily want everybody to have it but the 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 thing between the the two is is this this love of history this love of the culture and the protection of what is there against what is threatening to come in that's beautiful and the arrogance of the people who think they know what the area needs is not its truth (laughs) yeah yes exactly um i had an idea though when you were talking about compassion versus um taking advantage of forget the the word you actually used being Um, taken advantage of yeah being taken okay um with that the theme of a book that could be the theme of an entire book or the theme of an entire series. But then it would have to just be to demonstrate that compassion has to be earned, that can, it cannot be given blanket to everyone without any sort of qualification for acknowledging that, yeah, if somebody is trying to take advantage of you, they are not necessarily deserving of your compassion. That is your personal opinion. It is my personal opinion. Yeah. And so. that's all fiction is pretty much somebody's personal opinion. Right. But you're saying it would have to be that. These... No, that was the way I, I could I could have used it. Yeah. Okay. That, was, that is a way you could use that particular thing to turn it into a book. And that's not the, certainly not the only way that you could use it to turn it into a yeah. book. Yeah. But yeah. So that's 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 one way of looking at at that one theme. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like um, my history versus arrogance and uncompromising would be somebody else would take it a completely different way, you right. know. So there, there's a million right. different ways that you can use these themes in order to come up with something that that fits your perf- your specific beliefs yeah. and everything. Because yeah, because fiction has to be, <laughs> in the end, it has to be about you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it has to be what matters to you, what doesn't matter to you. And it is your worldview concretized and and fictionalized, but still it's you. Mm-hmm. It's very, very personal shit. I refer to it frequently as dancing naked on a rooftop. Yeah. And the only good fiction you can ever get is the fiction where you are willing to do that and willing to realize that people will see who you really are when you're writing the shit. Yeah, <laughs> and that people will disagree with you. Just like I disagree with mom's stance on compassion, it's still something that is, you have to be willing to put yourself on the page because you can't connect with, with people without having 
that depth in your book, that part mm -hmm. of you. So yeah. what is the next part of, of the conflict? Yes, that was I hate versus I love. The next part is, and again, these are not all the possibilities, not even close. Yeah. Um, the next part is pain or fear versus I am drawn to, okay? I fear gives you pain. I am drawn to gives you the bait, okay? I like that. The, <laughs> yes. Um, the reward that pulls your characters forward, the thing that they want, is the I am drawn to versus the obstacles in their path that they must overcome to progress. The pain, what they fear, okay? So with that, um, I'm going to pull out some stuff from my pain here. Um, my I fears. Okay, down here. Um, again, the loss of self-determination. That's a big one for me. Uh, the erosion of personal freedom. The complacent acceptance of evil by eyes-closed bystanders. Uh, that no one will speak. That no one will risk. That no one will see wrong. That no one will fight wrong. Those are my fears. Okay, now, my, my I am drawn to's uh, up here are castles and old buildings and eclipses and lost and found voices and children and ghosts, things that are true, things that are, are the truth of self-revelation, freedom and surrender. Uh, sunriders, sunriders, that was the word there, sorry. Uh, could not read my writing. The enslavement of humanity stopped and 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 reversed and so when we, I put those together I have these these two this dichotomy of the things that really matter to people the world they live in um, the values that they hold the people they love the things they care about versus this fear of speaking out this fear of acting and that became uh, the enslavement of an entire people in the Moon and Sun series and was the driving motivator behind that. So, again, this is I fear, which gives you the pain, and I am drawn to, which gives you the bait, the thing that they're fighting toward, the, thing, the things that your characters need and want. Okay, so go ahead. What, what did you get with your map? Oh, well, when I was just looking at it, when you said it was the bait, I thought this is cool because this fits exactly. Good people and deep bonds. The, those are things that I am drawn to. So mm -hmm. when I looked over, <laughs> immediately my eyes were drawn to, when it comes to, I fear, loss and death. So this is a life thing, too. <laughs> this is yeah. this is something that everybody goes through, is that, that we, we are drawn to people that are good in our opinion, good people for our own personal you know fitting and then the deep bonds with those people I'm drawn to that and I like to write people that have a history that know each other um, and then that history comes out in little ways and then I fear loss of friends loved ones you know some just gone missing just gone could be moving and that could go back to my very very first best friend who was like in kindergarten or first grade or something and moved and mm -hmm. I got a Tinkerbell wand from her in the mail, which I wish I still had, but I do not. But I will always remember that Tinkerbell wand. I wish I still had that thing. It glowed oh, yeah. and it was like, God, we're talking about from the 90s though. Um, <laughs> 
And then the fear of death too, fear of, of the finality of no going back. And this is, there is a thread in Fulton Hills and the glass house is a part of that world. And if there is a death and the person crosses over, there is no getting back to them. There is no reaching them. You cannot contact them. They are gone for good. They're just out. You, there is no medium that can ever actually contact the dead and moved on. And mm -hmm. they are not the ones haunting the place. They are not the ones that are ghosts because in Fulton County, in this world, the, the dead that linger, and that's something that is on my, I get shivers from, but the dead that linger are in a different realm as nobody knows what happens after they no longer linger because no one can reach them. So people know right. immediately if a medium is fake because <laughs> if she says, Oh, they've crossed over. Yes. Happy. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. So there is a, there is this level of, especially in Fulton County, there's a lot of depth in the world of Fulton Hills magic wise, because the shadowed know the difference between a phony and a real. And mm -hmm. the Pontac one that are foggy eyed, you know, intentionally blind people, they'll go to a medium that says, oh, yeah, your grandmother crossed over. She's so happy. You know, she's proud of you and all this and that. Mm -hmm. And there's also this conflict with them with with the shadowed people was like, OK, well, the person's going there for comfort. They're getting comfort. Is it bad? It's bad that they're lying, but they're getting the comfort they need. So everything, nothing is black and white in any of my books. There's never a very specific black and white, right and wrong when it comes to things. Mm -hmm. You know, even even the the more obvious things. I think like Victoria, you read the book, Victoria, Tracy, the things that come across as very bad in the beginning, you start to understand. You know, now there are some things that are black and white, like child abuse. That is never okay. But, yeah. but when it comes to things like this, it's, <laughs> there's just different levels. Yeah. Because you can seriously look at that and say, well, you know, they can't prove that she's wrong. So why, well, how does it hurt them that they think that grandma is, has moved on and is happy where she is and miss and, and yeah. loves them and misses them and is happy that they're okay. Yeah. How is that bad? Of course, 10 years later, if we find out that, that grandma, you know, hid Nazis and helped Nazis camp out and get to America, <laughs> yeah. it's going to be like, wait, she's in heaven. She, she crossed over <laughs> and she's happy. I don't want her to be happy. Grandma yeah. was evil. <laughs> How did that work out? Man? Yeah. And they'd be like, I'm going to sue that medium. But it's there's a lot of different things. I just liked the fact that when you said that I am drawn to is the bait for I am fear, that mm -hmm. I saw Deep Bond's good people loss and death. <laughs> it's it's yeah. it's something that we can all relate to, and it's also something that is a real, real conflict because the closer you get to somebody, the more you're going to miss them when they're gone, and right. that's something yeah. that in my mind when my friend Brian, um, the one who made our shirts. And his wife, Brandy, told me that they were going to be moving in a few years. I was so sad because I let myself get close to them again. And I'm like, okay, all right. Well, I've had some loss of friends and, and some real, you know, drama and issues and stuff. But I love these people, so I'm going to get close to them. We're going to be moving. Like, <laughs> oh. Yeah. And you can yeah. put that kind of thing in your book because the pain is something that most people can relate to. 
and life has pain. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, that's you. You are going to lose everyone you love, or they are going to lose you. <laughs> yeah. So let's be happy. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's just the reality. And then you look at that and you say, okay, so fuck it. That's the truth. I know that it's out there, but right now I have these people and I am going to enjoy every minute of them that mm -hmm. I can because I have them now. Yeah. And in the moment that you embrace that reality that, yeah, I am going to lose everyone I love or they are going to lose me, then you say, okay, well, the ones that I love, I'm going to, I'm going to give as much of my time to now as I can because yeah. now is what I have this minute. Yeah. And the, the flip side of that is you start to realize that people who don't listen to you when you say things, people that will not that will not that say that you're their friends but continue to do the things you ask them not to do or other toxic people you start to realize like i don't have enough time for this i i don't have enough time to allow you in my life to do the things that you want to do because i have special people in my life that i could have instead so mm -hmm. when you realize that the good people are the ones you want to keep the toxic people you start to let go and yeah. it's the same thing of, with writing and life, right? Like we've talked about this a number of times is when you realize how short life is, when it hits you, when, when you've lost some friends, like, you know, it doesn't matter their age or when you really realize the finality of this, this line that you have somewhere at the end of your life, it's, it's there, it's somewhere. It could be five minutes from now. It could be 50 years from now you start to realize how short things are, how much time you don't have, and that you've got to do the important things, the stuff that yeah. you enjoy. And again, that is another conflict that you can put in your stories because it is that debate of the joy of life and the realness of the end of it. Yeah. Yes. I, I have a little story that I'm going to throw in here. I haven't really talked about this. Um, I discovered uh, about a week, week and a half ago, that my father died. The thing is, that should have been heartbreaking. It should have, because up until I was 15, I, my dad was my hero. He was awesome. He took me hunting and fishing. A thing happened when I was 15 that changed that, that broke that, and he could have fixed it at any point, but he didn't. So the discovery of his death was this sort of shrug of the shoulders, and well, I lost him when I was 15. The guy that he became stopped mattering from me. Yeah. And that you don't, if there's somebody in your life that you love, you don't want that to happen. And, um, I didn't want that to happen with my dad, but the fact is that it was, and it was, it was his choice. So, you know, this goes into fiction too. Mm -hmm. This builds into not just who you are as a person, but to who your characters can become because the same shit, that same pain and that same loss and that same, well, that should have been a sense of, of, of you know, crushing loss was instead one day of feeling a little sad and thinking, well, you know, it could have been something completely different yeah. had he chosen a different path. Um, yeah, and, that, and that's the kind of thing that you can put in your books and, and that y you can work through. That's one of the things that I've found. And we're getting a little deep with this, but we're talking about stories, you know, yeah. and this, the stories are the the deepest part. I think, you know, it, even when it comes to your characters, it's their story that makes right. them the deepest, that is the deepest part of them. It's, it's a way of working it out. So you go through these different things and... Maybe even you're wondering, like, shouldn't I feel more? Shouldn't, shouldn't, why, why am I so empty about this particular thing that happened? 
And if you put it in your fiction, you kind of can work it out. And mm -hmm. that that's one of the things that I love about fiction is that the more you write and the more you write true to yourself, the more you discover things about yourself, the more peace you can find, also the more anger you can you can have during a, a very specific thing. But you also are getting your opinions out in a way that you don't <laughs> even you're not even aware of. Yeah, you're putting yourself on the page and then you're also figuring yourself out. It's very very unique. Fiction is a uh, therapy for us who are too broke to afford therapy. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> basically. I mean, it's it's the, a lot of writers has, have seen fiction as therapy. Okay, so for I fear versus I am drawn to, what you're just looking for here is some really good strong conflicts. Um the the motor that will power your book Okay, and then the next thing that we're going to go to is I need versus I get shivers from where the pieces of your character's survival can be placed behind walls built of strangeness, seeming impossibility in dramatic and delightful ways. Um, for example, um, let me see. Reason, what matters, how it matters, who it matters to with no evasion, no assumptions, no ellipsing, uh, no hand-waving, no easy answers. Uh, let me just grab that one particular little thread and then run that against I get shivers from, which is the mystical stuff that I have in here, uh, like forests and jungles and rivers and hidden places and ruins and lost places and lost peoples and lost ideas and um, trap doors and labyrinths and spires and underground cities and hiding places and safety and where knowledge waits that at the very end of that thing so that that is my versus where I have I want reason I want yes. things to make sense. I want to understand how shit works. And then I throw it against trapdoors and labyrinths and lost civilizations and magic and wonder. And, and there you have the driving motor of not just a book, but a whole damn series mm -hmm. where I need shit to make sense and shit don't make sense. And I have the proof that shit don't make sense and stuff out there is real that I don't understand how it works and I need to know. So, okay, that was my thing. What is your I need versus I get shivers from? This this kind of sucks too because um, it's not going to be any different. It's literally the same <laughs> thing. Like I popped over to I need and logic was on there. So I was like, okay, let's go to I get shivers from because cryptids aren't logical. And hey. I mean, some of them are if you really, really, really think about it, crypt, the idea of cryptids is very logical because all of a all a cryptid is is just something that we think doesn't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. um, or, or let, let me fix that. It exists, but we can't find it. Right. You know, and and that other people see cryptids as these things that don't exist. You know, like oh, yeah. Bigfoot, Lo Loch Ness monster. Like that's what people think immediately. Cryptids. And while I'm not going to argue. For Bigfoot or Nessie here right now. I can, but I'm not going to. I can argue for cryptids in the fact that there are so many areas that we don't, that, that is not covered, that has not been explored. Everybody's like, oh, the world is getting smaller. No, it's not. 
the entire population of the world could fit inside of the U.S. without any problems. Like we would still have a ton of land, and and that is that is a fact if you look at the population and then you look at the size of the U.S. So it's. It's also the idea of, of we've explored everything. Well, we haven't. Just because we dipped our toes in the ocean doesn't mean that we know everything about it. There are plenty of cryptids in there that have been proven to exist. There, I think there was one or two in just the last, I know the last century, but I'm thinking the last 50 years, that were marked as a cryptid, found, proven to, like, hey, this thing is real, and taken off of the cryptid list. So, mm-hmm. but... <laughs> When it comes to high strangeness, there is a non-logic that goes along with it. When it comes to magic, there is a non-logic that goes along with it. And I am drawn to both magic and logic. So it is that two sides of the same coin thing that you can't look at both at the same time. And I'm trying to work my way through magic. You know, I'm trying to work my way through magic and using logic. But it also puts in so much to charlie because as you read charlie charlie is in love with all of this stuff but she doesn't necessarily believe in the creature i have a creature in there that is a bigfoot yeah everybody has their own bigfoot everybody has their own nessie yeah like howie and normie and yeah everybody has their own nessie everybody has their own bigfoot and this is no different so they do have a haunt talk and as she is exploring the world there are some cryptids that have been proven to exist like the one in the first book that has a very small part it's called a wargath and Mm -hmm. that one has been proven so she she knows what you know she knows what to do with all of these cryptids where she has been given some sort of guidance the haunt talk has never been proven to exist sightings have been just like with bigfoot they can't they can't find any bones they can't find any any poop anything so there is this this intense lack of logic in a lot of the things that i get shivers from but i think part of the cool thing about writing is you get to define the logic of these things that don't make sense from so like with charlie yeah she can be put up against this she doesn't believe in the haunt talk but she doesn't not believe either it's just all evidence points that it does not exist. All of the the sightings and the lore and the, the historical documents and everything that exists. She is very knowledgeable on the subject. But, you know, no bones, no poop, no fur, no, no nothing. <laughs> she can't wrap her mind around just blindly believing in the haunt talk. Right. Because there's just no logic that says it's, it's real. So, but she believes in other cryptids. That, that is kind of the stance as her, but, but as the writer, you get to, to figure this out. Okay, I want this to be real. I want so bad for this to be real. So how can it be real? And you figure out the ways. Why are there right. no bones? Well, maybe they bury their dead. Or maybe they, they, they have... You look at elephants. There are elephant mm-hmm. graveyards. There is no logic to that. Why do they do that? It, it's right. just an, an instinctual thing. So it could be the same thing with Bigfoot or Hontok or, or whatever. So it's, it's as a writer, you get to 
have this conflict that drives you nuts in real life and then define the logic in your books. Right. That's, and, and while you were talking about that, there was a thing that popped into my mind that I think is worth revisiting, which is just right brain, left brain theory, where your inner editor, I'm going I'm to use myself as an example here. My inner editor, my left brain, very, very rational, absolute atheist, um, just, you know, not, not political about it at all. It's just, I am incapable of believing in things that cannot be proven. Um, but there is this other part of me, this shit that I write, the fantasy and the stuff that comes from somewhere. Yeah. And that's the, the other part of the brain, my muse, mm -hmm. which I think my muse probably is a believer in something. It's just, you can't reach that part of your brain. It just comes out in your fiction but it doesn't talk directly directly to you. It talks in ideas and concepts and and this little shit that floats around. And you are, again, I'm going to take us back to the previous episode and say you are multitudes. You are more than you know. You are more than you think you are. You are more than you recognize in your everyday life because there are all of these parts of you that are like cryptids. They're in there. They exist they just only show up when you write. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, th the thing that you're saying about the muse, I think it's the same thing with budgeting and um, not being a very good at saving. And it, because the right brain wants these things and mm -hmm. there's no there's no ability to really talk to it. So sometimes you don't know why you're getting these urges and your, oh, your left brain will be like, it will hear the urge, will note it, will, okay, well, I need a pen, I need this, I need that. Or it'll say, well, you don't really need this, but, mm -hmm. you know, you don't, the, the left brain immediately tries to fight for the right brain and the desire that popped up, and it mm -hmm. tries to, you know, put logic into it. It tries to rationalize. Okay, well, you haven't bought yarn in three weeks. <laughs> I bought... I shared on uh, Instagram that I bought two succulents, well, a succulent and a plant. And I mm -hmm. said, um, I've been really good. These are the first two of the year. I have been really good not buying them. So the the reward for not buying them is it's buying to buy them. them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This yeah. is the same part of you where you're sitting there and you're cooking on the book. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden your ass gets you up and walks you over and opens the front door, or the, the refrigerator door, and has you standing there staring at the cheese. Yeah. That, or over standing there staring at an unopened bag of cherries because it is damn cherry season. Yeah, and, and Holly talked about weakness. this before as well when she was living in South Florida and she's doing keto, so she only ate once a day at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, she would get up and while writing, she would just stand up and go in and look for snacks. Like just right. not even knowing what she was doing. Exactly, because that's the part of your brain you're using right then. When you are telling the stories, that's also the part of the brain that deals with a lot of your urges and your impulses. Yeah. And will drag your ass down the hall to the fridge and have the fridge door open before you have even realized you stopped writing. Yep. I have had my muse yeah. drive me to Michael's before, and I had no money, <laughs> and that was not working out. I was supposed to be going to Sam's, uh -huh. and on impulse, instead of turning left, I went straight. And I yeah. parked and I started to get out and I'm like, wait a minute, I, I'm supposed to be going to Sam's. I have no money. I can't, <laughs> what am I doing? That's the muse. Yes. Yeah. 
Yes, that is the part of your brain that you don't control anywhere near as much as you like to think you do. Yeah. So the I need is also the I had on here romance. And my my idea of romance is very different than, than a lot of people's romance. It's, it's not, you know, flowers, date night, um, movie, oh, yeah. nothing like that. It's um, and then also independence is is a need. So you uh-huh. can find contradictions within the same thing as well. Because I, yeah. I want romance. I want close bonds. I want deep, deep bonds. I also want independence. So, uh-huh. you know, I, I just wanted to point that out because I saw that on there. And I was like, oh, you can find conflict even in one page. Even Yes, yes, you really can. So um, with that, there are a multitude of other ways we're gonna, you, that you can use this. But I want to save that for the takeaway. Okay. Well, yeah. Um, just remember that what we have covered here is not anywhere near all-inclusive. You you can absolutely mix and match these things. You can, as I just showed, find conflict within the same exact page if, yeah. if you're looking for it. If you're trying to, okay, well, how do, how do these two not match? How do these two add conflict? Um, is there anything else before the takeaway Okay, so I'm just going to remind you guys, you can follow us on the socials. That's at A-I-A-R-W-I-P on Twitter, at Alone with Invisible People on Instagram, Alone in a Room with Invisible People on Facebook. AloneWithInvisiblePeople.com is our website. You can find out ways to support us by going there. It's AloneWithInvisiblePeople.com forward slash support us to find out more. And all the different ways you can obviously support us with a couple of bucks a month. You can support us on a one-time basis uh, using the PayPal drop drop down menu on the right-hand side of that website. And again, the podcast will always be free. The worksheets that we put up, we don't even ask for an email address for. It literally, it's just, it's, it's always going to be free. The email that you, if you would like to sign up for, for episode reminders and anything to do related with the podcast, you can sign up for the weekly newsletter at alonewithinvisiblepeople.com. It, there's going to be a bar that pops up, and you can just put in your email address. We, you know, don't sell it. We don't give away the email addresses. We don't spam you. It's literally just anything to do with the podcast. If you'd like to buy any of Holly's courses or ebooks or anything like that, we would just ask that you buy through the affiliate links on the podcast website, just because it does help support the podcast. And it still, you know, obviously Holly still gets money, but it doesn't cost you anything extra. If you have not yet created an account at hollyswritingclasses.com, please do so. You get a free flash fiction course. It teaches you how to write flash fiction, but it's a lot deeper than that. It really does help with all writing. You also get a whole bunch of the summer fiction freebies. And we are going to be doing the summer fiction again this year. So if you haven't created it, now is a great time to get in there, introduce yourself. We do now have an introduce yourself uh, podcast thread in there. I do apologize about that. I didn't think about putting it in there. But you can also you also get the free um, year at winning, I think it's called. So, yeah, winning at writing. Yeah, winning yeah. at writing. And it is a workshop intended to help you with your goals. Now, it is a it was originally thought of to be the 2020 like you know set your year Mm -hmm. in January however as we stated in those episodes you can start at any time so if you just found us go download the the goals sheets and go through it and set up some goals and virtues and and all that good stuff and start now and yeah also on that uh we have switched to a 12 year 12 week year 
So you get to do a bunch of different years of writing now instead of just one year in if your year. If you are doing the 12-week year. If you are, if doing you are a staying with year. the yeah. 2020, which I think the majority of people are because they're not insane, then you can go <laughs> along with the route of the rest of the podcast listeners or the rest of the people who are doing the year winning. Holly and mm-hmm. I personally have switched to a 12-year or 12-week year system. so Because we are insane. Yeah, it's a little bit different. So we're, <laughs> we're going through a bit of a change. Um, mine got a little bit sidelong, or side... Brain fart. Sidetracked. Thank you, sidetracked. Yeah. <laughs> Mine got a little bit sidetracked, just like today, shooting this, or filming this podcast, um, by the surgery, but I am still, you know, trying to reach some of the goals before beforehand. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, what? And mine got a little bit sidetracked because I am developing a process that people in some of my three big classes are going to be getting after I have developed it, but that just ate my first 12-week year. Yeah, well, you're trying to figure things out, and this is the first time, I think for both of us, this is the first time we've used the 12-week year, so a failure at the first level isn't going to necessarily matter. I don't see it as failure. I just see it as learn to adjust. Um, Yes. But, yeah, so, it, again, there's a bunch of free stuff at hollyswritingclasses.com. You want to have an account there if you want any of the, the the free courses that she has. As well as the fact that there's a huge community, and they are fantastic, and they are very supportive, and it is growing, and we've got new people all the time. I, a new person just joined the 10-Minute Timer Challenge, and that's always inspiring to see. Cool. So, yeah, what is the takeaway for building a story based on your sweet spot, Matt? Okay, the takeaway is that we only gave you three examples of just one element, one page of the sweet spot map versus another page. There are roughly 20 some that you can mix if you're just doing two. You can also mix three. You can also mix four. You can also mix five. You can also pull something from all six in order to come up with your story ideas. And you can do as many different story sub-ideas as you want using any of the elements of any of the pages. This is an ungodly flexible tool. It's huge, it's gigantic, it's enormous, and it's also very small and very specific. As when you are watching us just come up with a couple of little ideas, throwing them out as we were talking through this. Mm-hmm. Um, just, it, it is useful for everything. It is useful, and now I'm going to go back a little bit, for building, just building your map is useful for building your world, for the actual development of world building. It is useful for building your characters, and it is useful for building your stories, your conflicts within those stories, the character development within the conflicts within those stories, Mm -hmm. and the obstacles that have to be overcome. And it's just... Because what you're doing is putting yourself, your heart and soul and passions and deepest, darkest secrets and loves and hates onto one page. And then you are allowing your muse to go through and cherry pick the stuff that really doesn't quite fit, that that is mysterious or wondrous and how it goes against the parts of yourself that you really know. So... Just trust yourself, be honest with yourself, hide this shit from everybody else because there were a lot of things that I kept out of these episodes that are on that little map that I did for myself that I am not sharing because they are deeply, deeply personal and not something I want to admit in public. Yeah. (laughs) But, but 
You have to get that stuff out there because even the stuff you don't want to admit in public can really fuel a novel. Well, also, I think part of it is if you're willing to put those things on the page, then your muse lightens up. It doesn't feel so tense. It feels more free, and it's willing to put yeah. everything on the page. And that even includes weird things that make no sense whatsoever, like uh, Demon Kitten. Like, uh, actually, no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yes, it does. Yeah. But <laughs> what were you thinking? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, actually, all of my kittens have been demons at some point, not just Jeeves. But if you if you are willing to be open, you can get a lot out of this. And it's infinitely usable because you can ask yourself weird questions. You can you can start with, with a sentence that you have for the story, but it's not quite weird enough. So pop open your sweet spot map and, and find something very weird and, and uh -huh. very uh, conflicty and oh, yeah. put it in that story and and you've added a twist just to the entire storyline i love that i love the moment when you look at something and you say where the hell did that come from yeah because that's when your brain has gone deep when you have gone way into the the muse where you are getting stuff your editor does not want to admit to and at the point where you have both your editor who's going to be putting stuff on the page and your muse on the page then you have everything you need to write the novels that only you can write in this whole world because there is nobody else who is like you and there is nobody else who can do this the way that you can do this with your stories and your life and your world with your passions this is all you and this allows you to put all of you into fiction in ways that you can deal with and live with and let be somebody else so that you can tell your truth without having to say what is actually on the sweet spot map <laughs> yeah yeah well yeah if you guys have any questions want to share anything that you found on your sweet spot map or or just want to you know be a part of this episode go ahead and find this episode title in the podcast forums i'm going to say we love you guys it's it's been a blast doing the sweet spot map stuff because it just reinvigorates a little bit you know of the of the passion <laughs> for this particular tool and it also got me to create a new one because i remember that oh like hey i haven't done that for this so yeah, that was a lot of fun. You can do it for individual characters. Again, as Holly said, it's in, it's endlessly flexible. So um, I'm just going to say thank you guys for listening. We love you guys. If you have anything else, any other topics that you want us to cover, we've got a few coming up, but we would love to hear what you need an answer to. And um, I, will, I am looking forward to seeing you guys next week. Holly? Yeah, I, I want to say thank you. Thank you for giving a shit about writing. Thank you for listening to us talk about writing and, and occasionally ramble on as we do. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you for being there. And um, Becca is absolutely right. We love you guys. We love doing this. We love sitting here and talking about this shit and sharing it. And just realize that you are, you got this. You can do this. You are multitudes and all of the different wonderful aspects and secret aspects and not so great aspects of you have a place in your fiction and this is how you get all of those different parts and pieces of you into it in such a way that you can tell stories that other people will love. Mm -hmm.